we do try to bring in new people as travel cat experts at these events. You know, it's very easy to say, oh, well, you know, these people always take good stuff, good pictures, good videos. We're always thinking like we want to bring new people in. We want to get more people to have this experience. Oftentimes we talk about successes. I actually want to talk about failures, like things that just completely knock you off your track. We had one incredibly horrible experience with a 3PL. It was not one short mistake. It was a mistake that lasted over about a year and a half in terms of the length that we worked with that company. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Building Blocks podcast show. Today, I'm joined by Emily Mithner, who is the founder and CEO of Travel Cat, a seven-figure cat travel brand. Um, And she is a great person for social media, community building. You've seen her online. You've seen her products online for sure. And I'm so lucky to finally have you today. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of your podcast and all the content you put out there. We're, we're quite new. We're, we're still a little baby, um, but it's really been helpful to bring awesome people like you to chat and, you know, just jam out on the things that we all do. Nice. I want to talk to you for a little bit now. I've also been following your journey. I, I see the stuff that you did with Octane. I see like the stuff that you did on community building. There's a bunch of YouTube videos um, from you or about you on <laughs> community building. Like it's, it's such a big I wouldn't say a trend, but really the thing that a lot of brands are now focusing on, community. Can you tell me a little bit more about what community means to you? And what are some of the things that you have done on your end to really build that for your company? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, community can be a really broad word and mean a lot of different things depending on the industry and the brand. Uh, for myself, just based on my previous work and now uh, how I'm applying that to TravelCat, uh, I would say very, very high level, it's making people feel included in something, you know, making them feel like they're able to be a part of a group, a world. Uh, and so, you know, the, how that actually plays out can fall into a lot of different, you know, sort of categories. But uh, a big part of my background is in events, both online and offline. So, you know, definitely when we started Travel Cat, immediately I started thinking about, you know, how can we connect cat people together? Because cat people, you know, they don't have dog parks. That's what we always say, right? So they don't have spaces where they can go and, you know, show pictures of their cats or talk to other cat people like in person so much or so easily, you know, as easily. And cat people love talking about their cats. So uh, right, right from the beginning. So we started very late 2017. So basically 2018, you know, I started, I, I was always thinking about how can we bring people together? How can we get involved? also in communities that already exist as well. Uh, so we started off by going to cat conventions around the U.S. That sounds uh, which fun. Had a, it, very fun. Uh, and then when COVID hit, you know, we had this big lineup of events to go to, and we ultimately ended up planning our own virtual events uh, throughout that time. And uh, and so we actually recently, our big, big, uh, biggest program we've done so far is we held a 700-person Travel Cat Summit, <laughs> uh, huh. so virtual, virtual. <laughs> so right. you know, you know, and in between all of those things, we've just we've what we what what I call it is basically created like a ladder of engagement for people to move from just buying products to you know much more beyond that. And like honestly, engaging with each other in a community just makes you love that product more. Um, 
I have a friend who owns a hair company, like a hair extension company. She has like a Facebook group of 40, 50,000 people who just love hair. Wow. They just want to share what they bought, their hauls. Um, a, a company within my portfolio, they do nails, just nail lovers, designs for nails, how you do nails. And I think like building that kind of community, at least in my opinion, makes your brand a lot more approachable because it seems like you're in the trenches, you're in the ground. Um, rather than just saying, hey, there's a barrier between brand and customers. It's actually yeah. all tied in together now, right? Um, I'm curious now, uh, what inspired you to start a you know, cat backpack business, Travel Cat? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my husband and I are the co-founders, so we are both serial entrepreneurs, but I always like to say it's cute that this business is the most successful one we've worked on, and it's the only one we work on together. Um, so you, we became unexpected cat parents, and we rescued a kitten totally on a whim. Neither of us had ever had cats. Right. And as we were researching you know, how to become the best cat parents ever, you know, we realized two things, you know, one, there's a lot of misconceptions around what it is to be a cat parent and what you need to do to make sure they have a happy and healthy life. You know, a lot of people were saying to us, well, you know, cats are easy. They sleep all day. You don't need to, you know, do anything with them. And it's really not true. Like cats need stimulation. They need engagement and play. Uh, so that was, you know, one big thing. And then the second big thing was we realized, you know, as entrepreneurs, like there's really not a lot of brands serving cats specifically. A lot of pet brands and there's a gajillion dog brands. Yeah. And then there's some that do both. But, you know, we thought, you know, there's really a space here to create products that are truly dedicated towards cat people. Everything, are, um, yeah, it's just meant for cat people. And so with these backpacks and cat harnesses, which are the two main products that we sell, you know, the idea is, you know, giving people a way to safely explore beyond the great indoors, you know, get their cat some enrichment, whether that's oh, taking their cat out on their New York City balcony, which is something that I do, you know, on the harness, or we have people doing, you know, national park hikes in, in our cat backpacks, or, you know, yes, it's a fun thing. It's very Instagram friendly seeing cats in backpacks and whatnot, but it's also just a practical item. Every cat owner should have a carrier that their cat is comfortable getting into without right. it being super stressful. So uh, it does just have that utilitarian use as well. I love that. And, and it makes sense. Like, like you said, it's functional. Like people literally mm -hmm. should have it if they have pets and they want to take them out. Um, the, the pet space is interesting to me because everyone loves their pets just like their kids. Uh, and they're so passionate about it. Sometimes I would say like they love them more than their kids because at least cats are pretty chill. Um, kids just run around and scream and cry. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like tell me a little bit more about like what it's like to sell a product to a group of people that are really cautious about what they buy for, for someone that they really care about. And, you know, I see the same parallels to parents buying things for the kids. Like they need to make sure that it's really good. And, and like, what are some of things that you're thinking about when you're thinking about copy, when you think about the products, uh, even the way that you market it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we, we're in a, we're a bit of a premium product, so we're not luxury, but, um, you know, we do have a higher price point. So our best seller is 119, you know, so one thing that we realized right from the start is that, you know, our target or, or the, the consumer profile that's buying our backpack, it's not just what you might expect, like, a 
30 something urban female who's, you know, fairly well off because it's a more, you know, high end product. Right. Uh, but you have a lot of people who, you know, live out in a town you've never heard of in the middle of the country and maybe normally shop at Walmart, but they want to buy the best for their cats. Right. <laughs> like you said, like they really care about, you know, the products for their cats and they're very discerning. So uh, right from the beginning, we always made sure that we were very inclusive with our marketing. So we're uh, showing older people, we're showing younger people, people in all different types of environments and places and doing different types of things with the products. Um, And then also we always really focused on education and content from the start because we definitely recognize that this is a new thing, you know, taking your cats out of the house. You know, I would say at least half the people I tell about this company look at me like, what, what do do you mean? you know, the cat's wearing a backpack, you know, they're confused. They've never seen it. Uh, So, you know, we recognize that. And we also recognize that uh, it's not the same as just taking your dog out, right? Like it's, it's a different approach. Cats are different animals. And so, uh, you know, we want to build that trust and we want to make sure people are successful with the products and using the products. So we do a lot of educational content. We have a lot on our site. We have a lot in our flows. And then we've been doing now again for, about a year and a half now, these virtual programs where we get, we call them travel cat experts to host, you know, uh, breakout sessions during a workshop where people just ask questions and talk about their experiences. And, you know, one of the most amazing things, again, going back to building community is then seeing these people who are our travel cat experts and people who just attended and seeing them become friends, (laughs) you know, and we can tell their friends from the posts that they create on social or in our Facebook group, or, you know, they just tell us, uh, you know, we actually, for example, there's um, a group up in Canada and this one person in our community who's bought very, very early on, she threw a birthday party for her cat. And I think, I think like five out of the eight people there who all brought their cats had the fat cat backpack, you know, (laughs) and they were, they were like, Oh, we got a group picture with all of us in our backpacks. So, you know, seeing seeing that um, connection to each other, uh, you know, giving opportunities for people to see a diverse range of folks featured in our content and our programs. So they feel like, okay, I can relate to that. I think I can do that. I can see myself doing that. I kind of relate to that person. That's that's been a big part of it. I love that. And, you know, like touching on the point about, you know, your product, even though it has a somewhat premium price tag. It's not always geared towards someone who is extremely wealthy or like can just spend money like it's nothing. It's at least like from my observation, and we actually talked about this with another guest, um, Lindsay McComic from Bike Toothpaste. She sells toothpaste bits. They are, I think, three, four times more expensive than a toothpaste tube. Um, and we're like, you know, like, yes, it's a higher price tag, but it's not necessarily people who can afford it more. It's just people who prioritize that within their budget. You know, mm-hmm. like they might buy a more expensive toothpaste, toothpaste bit, but they might just buy plain black T-shirts because they don't really care about what they wear, but they care a lot about their oral health. They might not mm-hmm. care about eating out every night, but they care a lot about traveling with their cats safely. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's a very important point for a lot of founders to know. Um, it took me a while to realize that I've always had this notion that you have to be a certain amount of um, or have a certain amount of income or social economic background to buy luxury items when in fact look around you that's so far away from the truth so uh, i'm mm-hmm. glad you also like was able to realize that mm-hmm. i 
I love the community aspects and I love the fact that your customers are wearing your stuff and coming together. It feels good to be kind of like the nexus of how everyone knows each other. Like, oh yeah, I met them in the cat group. And, yep. you know, one thing that I would say people misunderstand about community is they think if you make a Facebook group, people will come. It's like they think if, they, if you make a product, people will buy it. When No, in fact, there needs to be a clear thesis for why people commit to these groups and why they keep coming back. I love that you have these cat backpack experts come in and do these talks because it's another way for new cat owners to ask questions, right? Like you're building this community with education, with content to educate people. And people will always look back. They look back at their cats and be like, okay, I learned how to raise them through this brand. And now I'm super loyal to that. So community, at least uh, from my view, needs to have a very clear reason for why people come back to it. Just like how I'm in Facebook groups for Shopify owners or like shop uh, or Facebook groups for like travel hackers, you know, like mm -hmm. I want to go back to read what's new. You can't just make a group and be like, yeah, we're cat backpack, go mingle. It just, it yeah. doesn't work like that. Right. And, and I do think Facebook groups are great, um, but they're, they are a lot of work, you know, so yeah. we, we do, we do have one. It's kind of ebbed and flowed in terms of the success we've had with it. But, you know, that's not the only way. And I know that, again, like the bonds created by those 700 people at the event who got to do cat theme, you know, cat bingo with, uh, you know, a famous Instagram cat influencer. You know, the, those connections are stronger than, you know, them seeing occasional Facebook posts from time to time. Yeah. But it's good to have options of, you know, where people can find each other after the fact, you know, right. so you know, and, and we could, and it's very strategic in how we do our programming and how we pick people as well. You know, for instance, we do try to bring in new people as travel cat experts at these events. And we do really make sh work to make sure we're not highlighting the same people on our Instagram feed because we totally could, you know, it's very easy to think or to just say, oh, well, you know, these people always take good stuff, good pictures, good videos. It's easy to talk to them, you know, but we're, we're always thinking like we want to bring new people in. We want to get more people to have this experience of being an expert. That's that's also super powerful. Like giving people, you know, maybe their first chance to speak at any event ever in their life, <laughs> you know, um, is is so exciting to people. I mean, that's that's extremely um, that's a, that's a really big deal to a lot of people. And I mean, you're you're giving a platform to people who never gets public speaking gigs, um, and you're allowing them to really talk about things that they love. That's, that's great energy. Like you feel that yeah. when, you, when you see them talk. And I love that. Um, you've been running this business for about five years now. Um, I think four years and nine months to be a little bit exact <laughs> around there. Um, and, and a lot of things happen when running a business. A lot of things. You can never predict what storm hits and when it'll hit. So, you know, oftentimes we talk about successes. I actually want to talk about failures like things that just completely knock you off your track what, what was something that comes up to mind to you yes well this is an easy question to answer because yeah. we had one incredibly horrible experience uh which was our experience with a 3pl so third-party logistic company and you know that was a case of it was not one short mistake it was a mistake that lasted over about period of about a year and a half in terms oh of the length that we worked with that company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was obviously a lot of mistakes on their end, but also just a lot of mistakes on our end from being new. So that was 
that 3PL was the first company we started to use after we were knew we couldn't keep packing ourselves, you know, that that amazing inflection point where you can't keep up with your own orders. You know, and we just used one of those services that would sort of source you 3PL options. And we did a number of phone calls. We didn't just pick the first one, but we did pick the one that basically had the best salesperson. They had an amazing salesperson. They were one of the only ones that got back to us and they were timely and so communicative. That was a huge reason why they won our business. And the day that we went to go to their supposed space in Brooklyn to do sort of a first day, check it out, uh, they had you know, sort of pitched us. They had this big operation and we were back ordered like hundreds of orders. And so they're like, yeah, we could get those out in, you know, maybe one or two days. We get there and there's one person and it's like an empty warehouse. It's, it was like they totally, you know, so that should have been the first red flag where we should have just said, forget it and just started fresh. But we just kept letting them, we just kept thinking, okay, well, they're going to fix it. So we'll just keep with them. So for instance, they were like, oh, you know, our Brooklyn space is new, but we'll pay to truck all your goods to Texas where we have a bigger operation. So we did that. And then there was just mistakes with QAing. There was mistakes with misships, just ton, just tons of mistakes. And um, it was a really horrible experience. And uh, eventually, and then the point that we were going to switch was right before COVID hit. So oh. we were like ready to switch and then COVID hit. And then of course they had tons of legitimate and then not legitimate excuses that happened during COVID. And then finally the summer, it was, I guess, summer 2020, we said, you know what, we literally, there's no way we can do a worse job than these people. Let's just try it ourselves. <laughs> so we wow. ended up uh, hiring a warehouse manager, bringing, uh, rent, renting a space, like a month to month space in, in Queens where we're based. And it was the best decision we ever made uh, really? taking it in-house. Yeah. So we have now, so it's been about two years since we operate our own warehouse, our own fulfillment. And it, it's incredible because you just have so much control over the products, over every, you know, such an important part of the customer experience. I'm getting their goods on time. And, you know, we're really proud that we can ship orders in one to two business days. You know, we're kind of on Amazon level. You know, my husband and I shop on a lot of other e-commerce sites and we're oftentimes like, whoa, this brand is bigger than us and it's taking way more time to arrive and even to be fulfilled. So uh, yeah, that I would say, you know, the moral of that story was it can be really painful to end a partnership, like a business partnership or something like that. And it can be costly, you know, to change and switch over. But, you know, we wish we had ended that relationship sooner. We let it drag out way too long because we were afraid of the cost and the time it would take to switch, but um, that was a big lesson for us. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think like firing too slow, it's probably mm -hmm. one of the biggest mistakes that owners can do. And oftentimes we're clouded by our judgment because we think, oh, maybe they should get a second chance. Or we kind of like, if, if you're kind hearted, you give them the benefit of doubt. You think, oh, maybe they're mm -hmm. going through some troubles too. Um, but But truthfully, you do have to be very objective about weighing your options like when you look at when, when something doesn't feel right start asking yourself the questions of like okay why why did it not go right and is it something within their control that i think it's totally within their control or is it like you know god's will right um and 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 you just really need a cut when you need a cut it's like cutting toxic friends off your life it's 
it drags you down, it slows your business down and hurts you a lot, right? Um, 3PL has always been a nightmare. No, I don't think anyone loves their 3PL and it makes sense to bring it in-house. I, I do want to ask a question for a lot of like our new viewers. Like what, what are some of the things that you would have done in order to vet this 3PL better? Yes. So there's definitely good 3PLs out there. And a big part of it is just what type of product you have. And that's the thing that we didn't necessarily realize in the beginning is that, you know, there's there's 3PLs that all 3PLs have some sort of specialty, unless they're maybe like the most enormous one, you know, so they might specialize or be better for if you are only doing DTC and you're literally you're only doing DTC. Uh, there might be others where they are cool with you doing DTC and wholesale and Amazon shipments, right? right? Because we we're probably about 80% DTC from our own site, 10% Amazon, 10% wholesale and some distributors, right? So we, you know, we would at this point, if we use the three PL, need them to be able to do those type of shipments, say to Amazon, which are totally different than fulfilling, you know, um, uh, regular DTC um order so it just just understanding what what type of orders do you have making sure that they're super confident that they can do those types of orders because you know the issue happens when you get some 3pls maybe more so on the smaller side that are like yeah we can do that but it's not really something they do it's not really a part of their operations right um and then it's you know things like how many SKUs you have um, how complicated, you know, we do a lot of bundling, for instance, right? So we have a smaller product line, but we have lots of different bundles. So is that something they can handle? Um, do you have a consumable? Is your product perishable? Is it very breakable? You know, so I think it's just knowing exactly what type of products you have and really pushing them on, are they good? Do they have other clients like that? I, that was a big thing I asked too. I said, I want to talk to clients who use you. And then also the big thing is you got to go there. You got to go and see one of the fulfillment centers. Like you have to spend the money on flights because I mean, that was a big mistake for us. Like we should have flown down to Texas when that first problem happened right. and you know, and we didn't. And so, yeah, those are my biggest things, just really grilling them on what exactly your business needs. And it just does that work. And then flying there and meeting them or, or driving. <laughs> There's really no one three PL that works for everyone, uh, and like you said, there's specialized ones. There are some people who are just amazing at small goods. Some are just only good at big goods. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so, like now that we got your questions, I'll just talk about like some of the things that I also vet for. I I ask about their team size for those specific locations. Don't tell me your entire company size because that's BS. Right. Um, exactly. For the specific location where we're hosting inventory, how many pickers do you have? How many? people are on admin, how many people are on like specific teams, just to mm -hmm. like figure out what their infrastructure is. Um, I asked about what's their daily output and, and capability. Um, and based on like the amount of people that they tell me, I can kind of gauge if they're BSing or not, because if you, tell me you have four people, but you can ship 10,000 units a day. I know you're BSing unless you have a machine, which really right. do. Um, I also look at other companies that they work with, and I also reach out to those founders to get testimonials. And, um, you know, I've definitely heard some where be like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm switching out. And that's like a huge red flag. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've talked to three PLs and agencies in general, and even like any freelancers I work with, I talk to them, like I'm about to invest in them. 
like I just break it down. I need to know how your business is run if I'm going to put my money into you because it's like investing. You're investing your time. Mm-hmm. You're investing your, the potential of your business into this person. I'm, I'm grilling them on like, hey, I want to talk for two references. I want to understand um, if your last client left, why did they leave? Um, mm-hmm. When was the last time you had a price hike for, for your pick and pack fees? That's a good um, one. If we're doing bundling, what are the fees you're associating? Are you doing it on based on hourly charges? Are you doing it per package? Like, try to like simulate. Imagine you're running like Sims <laughs> for three. <people. laughs> and, and just I played that game like, so much. <laughs> yeah, think through like, okay, if I have this amount of packages every single month, five thousand packages every single month, a thousand of them are bundles. Run that through this three PL and be like, here's like the number of orders we have. Here's the typical weight. Here's how many items are in each box. Um, how much would it be to do these things? And you start cross-referencing with others and you at least have a bench line for, for these numbers, right? Yeah. Uh, you can't just get like a single number from it. Also, I wouldn't say watch out for good salespeople, but never let them wound you. Because um, easy, they're, they're good. Like that's their entire job. But like yep. when, when things are like, when you're feeling you're catching feelings, that's when you got to step back and, and like slap yourself a little bit and be like, okay, they're good at talking, but do they have things to substantiate their claims? Like right. everything they're I, telling you, right? Yeah, and I, and I think I, some people might be listening to both of what we're saying and think like, damn, that's a lot of work. And it is. And I yeah. think a 3PL is, is one of the most important things. Like we had, when we were pursuing others, you know, they ask, they should be asking you for, like you said, like box sizes and, you know, all these very detailed information, like you should know your average shipping costs so you can compare them. So it is a lot of work to do your research so you can ask the right questions and give them the right information, but it's so important. And and I do think people should be wary of, you know, there might, I don't even know if they exist or in what form at this point, but, you know, of us, you know, we, we had the experience of using that sort of, oh, put in your information and then we'll tell you the best three PLs. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. makes you feel like, oh, well, they know what I want. So if they're yeah. suggesting this, it must be good. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> yeah, those those are just lead gen engines. It's like when you yes. put it like, uh, like you want to sell your car, what's your mileage? Yeah. And they send this to like a thousand brokers yeah. for it. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, those are all very good tips. And honestly, like hopefully this episode helps a few people because three PL the run 3PL will just derail your business because you have all your money. Your money's tied up in your inventory. Your inventory's tied up yep. to the warehouse. That That's going to really hurt your business. And, you know, Emily, thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing all these knowledge with us. Uh, you truly have a very fun and incredible product. Uh, I personally think there's a huge market for something like that. And super excited to keep watching you from the sidelines and see what you can keep building. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You just heard an episode of the Building Blocks podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe below to keep hearing conversations that I have with brilliant marketers, founders, and innovators on how they built their best ideas. Now, if you want to learn how you can turn your best ideas and build something massive out of it, visit my website, bbclass.co, or follow my Twitter at agro.